psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There is no better place to be on a Sunday than to be in church. Tell your neighbor you've done the right thing to be in church today. This is the best place you could ever be. The psalmist says, a day in the Lord's house is better than a thousand days out there. And you will see why as we continue to talk about the presence of God in our lives. I think sometimes you find that some Christians, they are not as serious with their Christian walk with the Lord because they haven't had an encounter with the Lord. What makes the difference is that once you've got an encounter with God, and you have experienced God in your life, you won't need anybody to even tell you what to do. You will be prompted from within. And as we talk about the year of his presence, I want us to start again in Psalms 27 verse 8. Just to say that it is the Lord who is actually asking us to seek for his presence. And as he tells us to seek for his presence, we need to agree to that and we need to say yes Lord the only thing I need is your presence because if I'm in the presence of God I've got everything I've got healing in the presence of God I've got protection in the presence of God I've got peace in my family in the presence of God everything that you could ever think the problem with most of us is that we seek for things instead of seeking God Tell your neighbor, don't seek things. Seek the face of God. <clears throat> Psalms 27, verse 8, Mr. MJMPC. Seek my face, inquire for and require my presence as your vital. Okay, you have said, seek my face, inquire for and require my presence as your vital need. In other words, the Lord is saying, seek my face, <coughs> require and inquire <coughs> my presence as your vital need. Something that is vital is something that you can't live without. Okay? So he says, seek my face, seek my presence as your vital need, as if you can't survive without the presence of God. And indeed, without the presence of God, when we are separated from God, we cannot live a fulfilled life. Continue. My heart says to you, your face, your presence, Lord. So it seems your mic is still struggling a bit, but let me read this side. It says, my heart says to you, your face, your presence, Lord, will I seek. In other words, he says, I respond and say, yes, Lord. When the Lord says, seek my face, I say, yes, my Lord, I will seek you. I will seek your face. Lord, I will inquire and require of your presence as my vital need. That's why Psalms 27 verse 4, if we go back to verse, 20, verse 4 of that same AMPC, it says, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek. You know, when you are seeking something, you are diligently pursuing after it. That will I seek and inquire and require that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence all the days of my life. 
In other words, I don't want just to taste the presence of God on a Sunday. I don't just want a visitation once in a while. I want to dwell in the presence of God all the days of my life, to behold and gaze upon the beauty, the sweet and attractiveness and delightful loveliness of the Lord, and to meditate and consider and inquire in his temple. Amen. You get that? <clears throat> so, I want us today to just connect with what we'll be doing also this afternoon. <clears throat> like we've said, that we are going to also spend time in prayer. But we'll do that after church for those of you who have time. But I just want to show you that as much as we are seeking the presence of God, God lives in us. We need to allow him to be manifested in our own lives that you don't only have to wait for Sunday to experience God. Go with me to the book of John, chapter 14, yes. verse 20 to 23. AMPC, Mr. MJ, you may be ready now. <clears throat> At that time, when that day comes, you will know for yourselves that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. I like that. He says, Jesus says, I am in my Father. You are in me, I am in you. It means we are united with him. Continue. The person who has, my, who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. That's the part I want us to consider more. He says, I will show, I will reveal, and I will manifest myself to him. Continue. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. I like that part where God says he will make himself real to us. You remember last week I told you that sometimes you try to think, how is God? Who is God? And it's like an imaginary Fiction of some of people's minds. But he says, I will, when I reveal myself, I will make myself real to you. That you can know this is God. I know God. He's not just a figment of my imagination. He is real to me. Continue. Judas, not Iscariot, asked him, Lord, how is it that you reveal yourself Make yourself real to us and not to the world. Why do you think Judas was asking that question? It's not Iscariot. But why was he asking that question? He thought that we are already sorted. Do you still need to do anything with us? We are fine. Why don't you reveal yourself to the world? Okay? So that's why even this message of his presence for us as the church is very crucial. Because we have been just on the surfaces. We are not getting deep enough to know him as our God to walk in his presence like the church of old, the church of the apostles where the Lord would manifest himself in their presence all the time. So he says, how is it that you will make yourself real to us and not to the world? As if we are already sorted. You know, that's usually what some of you think. When the word comes, you think, hey, if my friend was here, if so and so was here, as if you are already sorted. 
So Judas says, how is it that you want to show yourself to us, reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Continue. Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, he will keep my word, obey my teaching. And my father will love him and will come to him and make our home abode, special dwelling place with him. Did you see, just read that last part where we will, make, we will come to him. This is what God is doing with all of us who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So the day you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he came into your life. So read that part. We will come to him mm -hmm. and make our home. Okay. We will come to him and make our home. Mm -hmm. Abode. Special dwelling place with him. Amen. Tell your neighbor you are sitting next to the house of God. He says he will make his home in me, isn't it? Yeah. So when he makes his home in me, that's why this message of his presence, it covers everything. Because when he makes his home in me, I will experience his peace. When he makes his home in me, I will be victorious in life. When he makes his home in me, it is like God himself manifesting himself through me. So it means anything that even people plan against me, they cannot succeed because God is in me. I'm one with him. Amen? So when he makes his special place in me, even when I speak, it is God speaking. When we lay hands on the sick, it is God touching them. That's why the second part, the prayer part, we'll also pray for the sick. We'll pray for all of you who have anything you need, but we'll do that during the prayer time. Because God himself wants to touch us, but he touches us through his earthly vessels who are us. So he says, I will come to him and make a home, special dwelling place in him. Okay, so sometimes we do not always, we are not always conscious of the God in us. That's why sometimes you gossip, isn't it? So when you are gossiping, and God is in you, or the Holy Spirit is in you. How do you think the Holy Spirit is feeling? It's not good, isn't it? When you are swearing, some of you being Christians even go to a point of swearing. Those are the vulgar words. And you are still a child of God. And God is in you. That's why if we experience this message of the presence of God, we know that he is in me. He is with me. So he's not only in me and with me to fight for me, to defend me and all that, but he's also in me so that I can live like him. Galatians 2.21 says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it is not I living, but it is Christ living in me. So, and the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. So in other words, it is no longer me who lives. It is Christ living in me. But if we are not always conscious of the presence of God in our lives, we'll even miss it. You know that there are a lot of things that God is doing in your life, but because your eyes are not opened, you cannot see God. I want you to go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 28 verse 16. It was the time when Jacob was traveling and then he came to a place. And then in that place, he dreamt and he could see angels going up and down. 
in a, something like that was like a ladder. But when he woke up, he said, so good news translation, Mr. MJ, Genesis 28, 16. Jacob woke up and said, the Lord is here. He is in this place and I did not know it. Did you get that? He says, the Lord is here. He is in this place and I did not know it. I see the words that it says when Jacob woke up. <clears throat> that was literally waking up from sleep. But it may also mean figuratively, when you wake up, you can start seeing the presence of God in your life. You can start seeing what God is doing in our church. You can start seeing what God is doing in your family. You can start seeing what God is doing even in your workplace because of your presence there. Do you know that sometimes God is doing a lot of things and we only see what the devil is doing? How many of you keep on hearing people say, hey, you know the devil is cruel. You know the devil this. The devil this. What about your God? So you need to wake up and start seeing what God is doing. You've got to start waking up and say, surely the Lord is here. I was not aware of it. Now I will always be conscious of his presence in my life. Because if I'm conscious of his presence in my life, then I know what God can do through me. So go with 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 to 18, Amplified Classic. 2 Corinthians 6, 16 to 18, Amplified Classic. It says, what agreement can there be between a temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, even as God has said, I will dwell in and with and among them and I will walk with them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. I will be my God and they shall be my people. Verse 18. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters. Says the almighty God. So God says he shall be our God. He will dwell in us. He will move through us. He will do things through us. So children of God, I want to encourage you that wherever you are, please represent God. You are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. May people come to you for solutions instead of them coming to you for gossips, isn't it? Huh? When people want to gossip, may they realize not that one. When you go to that one, it's scriptures all the time. Let them end up nicknaming you scriptures. Amen? Because you are always representing God. And you are walking in the fullness of God. You are walking in his presence. Okay. So today as we are going to prepare to pray. I want us to look at prayer as the gateway to his presence. Okay. So some of us will always want to experience God. But we cannot experience God if we are not praying. We cannot experience the presence of God if we are not praying. You remember the Bible says even Moses, when during his time, you remember the Bible, we read this scripture last week or the past two weeks. It says he would take his camp, he would go, take his tent and go outside the camp and go and pitch it and seek God. And that's when God ended up coming among them. You remember that? So even for you, if you want to experience God, you need to have time of prayer. So Matthew 21, 13, Mr. MJ, just read that one. Matthew 21, 13, Amplified Classic. 
He said to them, The scripture says, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Okay, the scripture says, My house shall be called the house of prayer. We said, I am the house of God, isn't it? It means this house is the house of prayer. Can you tell your neighbor this house is the house of prayer? It's not a house of gossip. It's not a house of complaints. It's the house of prayer. Amen. And may God manifest himself through you, child of God. May we be so much in the presence of God that when we are with people, people experience God. When we speak, people will feel like God has spoken. When you touch people, may it be that God is touching them. So I want us to look at this. Go with me. So we're talking about the way to his presence is the way of prayer. Because I want us to link this presence of God with seeking him. And when it says seek my face, we seek him in prayer, isn't it? Prayer is that place where we meet with God. If you are a child of God or any person, when we talk prayer, it's not a religious thing, a religious ritual. But prayer, it's a meeting place with God. Amen? Where I meet with God, where we discuss issues with God, that meeting place is the place of prayer. Now, go with me to the book of Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 26, NIV, Mr. MJ. I want you to look at something, because all the people that we read of, especially in the Bible, people who ever did anything great for God, were people of prayer. Now, some of us, we want God to manifest himself in our lives. We want God to show himself strong in our life, but we don't want to pray. So the place, the way to his presence is the way of prayer. And I want you to be in that place called the place of prayer. Tell your neighbor, a place of prayer. Okay, read it, Mr. MJ. Acts 16, 16 to 26. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer. Okay. Where were they going? To the place of prayer. Ish. Say ish. I like it that I can pray anywhere, but I also can go to a place called the place of prayer. Amen. So, those of you who come here on Fridays coming to prayer, when people meet you, tell them I'm going to the place of prayer. Amen. When you come here early on Sunday and you're coming to church and you're coming for intercession, I'm going to a place of prayer. And may we make even in our homes, it's good to have a place of prayer. Although you can pray anywhere, anytime, but it's good to have a place called a place of prayer. Okay? Because I know we can pray anytime. You can pray when you are cooking. But you are not really praying in the place of prayer. You are in the kitchen. You are cooking. Okay? But you are praying. So it's fine. But that can't be your main prayer. Because you are not in the place of prayer. Amen? I can pray when I'm driving. But I've got to be concentrating on the road. Isn't it? So it's good that I'm praying. But that's not necessarily a place of prayer. So I want to say to you, even in your own homes... You know what is the temptation for most of us is to pray when you are on your bed, sleeping. 
And that's why usually you don't say amen. Because you were not in a place of prayer. Amen. So it talks about they were going to a place of prayer. So there is an effort if you want to seek God, if you want to make sure that you experience God. They were going to a place of prayer. Tell your neighbor they were going to a place of prayer. And ask your neighbor, do you go to a place of prayer? Okay, continue, Mr. MJ. They were going to a place of prayer. We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Yeah. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Oh, okay. So, you know the thing of fortune tellers and all that. You think it's an African invention? Huh? And you think it's your, it's your, it's your, it's your culture. Do you think so? I mean, Paul, they were going to a place of prayer. They were met by a fortune teller in their own vicinity. And they were making money through this fortune teller. Did you see that in your Bible? So repeat that, Mr. MJ. We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. But why the Bible calls it, calls her a female slave? It's like when that spirit is in you, it enslaves you. So it says she could predict the future. She was a fortune teller, but she was a slave because of that spirit in her. So that's why usually when they want to make you a fortune teller, Sangoma, they will do some of the things to get a spirit come to you and enslave you. So she was enslaved by a spirit which she used to predict the future and she was a fortune teller. Okay, continue. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. So tell your neighbor she was making money by fortune telling. But that spirit was enslaving her. She was a slave. So that was not the Holy Spirit, isn't it? You will see it was not the Holy Spirit. Because there are some who say, no, I'm, I'm a fortune teller, but I use the spirit of God. There's no such. You will see as you continue. Continue. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. Hey, but there she was speaking the right thing, isn't it? But listen. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit. Okay. He turned around and said to the what? Okay. Do you get that? So when somebody has the spirit of fortune telling, sometimes you find that we fight with people when actually it's not the person, it's the spirit in them. Even people who are troubling you, sometimes it's the spirit that is causing them to do that. So you need to address the spirit and not necessarily the people. Because the Bible says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world. So he turned around and said to the spirit, mm -hmm. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of here. Okay. What did he do? Okay. I want to show you this. They were going to a place of prayer. You saw that. But as they were going to a place of prayer, 
They met this slave woman, the woman who had the spirit of fortune telling. She was enslaved by that spirit. And after some days, he realized, no, she needs to be set free. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. Okay? So he's commanding. So this, okay, I want to show you. When we pray, you can pray, praying to the Father in the name of Jesus. Or you can declare using the name of Jesus to any situation. So if I say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Did you see what I just did? I didn't ask the Father for anything. I commanded, I used the authority that God has given me, but it should be in the name of Jesus. So when you go to pray, you can pray asking the Father to do something for you in the name of Jesus, or you can decree things in the name of Jesus. So he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of it. I want to show you again something. Did you see that when he casted this evil spirit, he didn't, he didn't pray. Father, I pray that you cast this spirit out. You see that? So if somebody is demon possessed, we don't ask the father to cast the spirit out. We go in the name of Jesus and command that spirit to leave them. So he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, what was their hope of making money? That spirit. Okay? So it means, as a person, she was fine. But the spirit in her, the spirit of fortune telling, the Bible says it, was, it doesn't say it was a good spirit. It says it was enslaving her. That's why Paul got annoyed and he rebuked that spirit. And then the owners realized that their hope of making money was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrate and said, These men are Jews and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrate ordered that ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Why was Paul and Silas beaten? For doing the work of the Lord. For casting out that evil spirit. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he had received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So look, they are being, they were arrested, and now they are treated like evil people. Okay? In jail. And treated like evil people. Fastened hands and feet with stocks. But I want you to look at this. Verse 25. Mr. MJ. So I want to show you now. They were going to a place of prayer. Okay? They prayed when they faced a situation. So it means even when I'm going to a place of prayer. I can still pray even when I'm facing a situation. So I don't have to wait for the place of prayer to exercise the authority in me. But when they were arrested, what would have some of you been doing? When you were arrested for the gospel, you would have been complaining. But this is unfair. We just did a good thing. We just set somebody free. We used the power of God. 
But why are we arrested? And also God, where were you when we were arrested? Isn't it? Because they also beat them. Actually, when we grew up, that's what we thought prisoners. We thought when you are a prisoner, they also beat you. These days, it's not allowed to beat prisoners. Here it says they beat them. They flogged them. And they kept them chained, even though they were in the cell. You see that? But in that situation, how does Paul and Silas respond, Mr. MJ, at their midnight hour? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Hey, let's all say hey. I mean, you are just beaten for doing the right thing. You are arrested for doing the right thing. And yet, at your midnight hour, you are praying and singing hymns to God. How many of you sing and praise God even when you are in trouble? The right place to get out of your trouble is to sing praises to God. So it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God because it was their culture to pray. You remember they were going to a place of prayer. They prayed along the way. Now, they are in prison and they don't change their tune to complaining. They were praying and singing hymns to God. I want to use this one. I want us to use this one. Beloved, when you are in trouble, even in your midnight hour, when you don't know what to do, that's the time to sing praises to God. That's the time to say, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And I know, yes, I know, he holds the future and life is worth a living just because it lives. That's a powerful song. It's not saying I can face tomorrow because of what I can do. It's not saying I can face tomorrow because I don't have a problem. It says because he lives and because he holds the future. I may not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And at midnight, so even in your midnight hour, even when it looks dark, what is the secret? Pray and sing hymns to God. So when they did that, what happened? So when people of God pray, God reveals himself. I told you about the way to his presence is the way of prayer. So now, they are singing. They are praying. They are not complaining. What does God do? Verse 26. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I want to ask you a question. Again, this thing about the presence of God. I want you to look at this revelation here. And just 
concentrate, focus. Did Paul and Silas pray? We don't know. What, we, we're not told what they prayed, but I don't think they were praying to say, earthquake, come and shake the foundations. Prison doors open, chains get loose. They were praying and praising God. As they were praising God, when God comes into the scene, then this is what happened. So the foundation of the prison were shaken. As if there's an earthquake. And the prison doors flew open. Why? Because God is in the sea. And everyone's chains came loose. So even when you are here, if you are bound by anything, as we praise and worship God, may your chains get loose. Amen. When you are here, as we are going to pray, even if you were feeling sick, may your chains get loose. Because we are praying. Because when we pray, that's a way to his presence. We may not be praying. I told you the other time I said we should so much experience God that even when you just come to this tent, may you start experiencing God. May you start just feeling, I, 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 feel, I feel well now. I came here feeling down, but I just feel the load is lifted off. Without us even praying for you yet. Just because you are in the presence of God. So it says, as they prayed, the foundations of the prison were shaken. So whichever prison that you are in, may those foundations be shaken. We are going to pray today in the second part after we have closed the service. And those of you who can please attend that part. Because we are going to a place of prayer. And we want God, all those prisons that are keeping people enslaved. May they be shaken as you pray. All those chains that are binding even your relatives. So as we are going to pray, we'll also have time where you can pray for your loved ones. May those chains be loosed. That they can be set free. Amen. Now, this is Paul and Silas. They were going to a place of prayer. They met a woman and in the way... They prayed, declared the name of Jesus. They were arrested, went to prison, still prayed. Amen? Let's look at Peter and John, Acts chapter 3. So I'm telling you, people who ever experienced the presence of God and walked with God, they were people of prayer. They saw prayer as the place of his presence. So Acts chapter 3, we'll do AMPC, Mr. MJ. We'll do 3 verse 1. And then we are going to go to Acts chapter 4, 23 to 35 NLT. So we do Acts chapter 3 verse 1, Amplified Classic AMPC, MJ. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. Okay. So, <clears throat> with Paul and Silas, they were going to a place of Prayer. Peter and John are going up to the temple, which I believe is also a place of prayer. But they were going there at what? At the hour of prayer. I want you to get this. So there is a place of prayer and there is a time of prayer. Tell your neighbor, there is a place of prayer. 
and there is a time of prayer. So if you want to experience the presence of God, you need to have a place of prayer and a time of prayer. I know I can pray anytime. I know I can pray anywhere. But if I pray anytime and pray anywhere, that's good. But it's not good enough. Because I need to have my own closet. That place of prayer. I told you about Moses who would pitch his tent. Now it says Paul and Silas, they were going to the place of prayer. Now Peter and John, they were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. You see what happens. Miracles happen as you pray. Miracle happens, miracles happen as you go to pray. So Peter and John, they were, let's start with Paul and Silas. When they were going there, they met this woman. When they delivered her, that was a miracle, isn't it? When they casted out those devils, they were going to the place of prayer. Now, Peter and John are going to the temple in the hour of prayer. So continue, Mr. MJ, because it seems... Miracles are happening as people are going to pray. Tell your neighbor, miracles are happening as people are going to pray. So read it, continue. You will see another miracle there. When a certain man crippled from his birth was being carried along, who was laid each day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, so that he may beg for charitable gifts from those who entered the temple. So when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them to give him a gift. And Peter directed his gaze intently at him. So did John and said, Okay, now, they were going to a place of prayer at the hour of prayer. Let's all say they were going to a place of prayer at the hour of prayer. Now there is this crippled man. Listen, what does he do now, Peter? And the man paid attention to them, expecting that he was going to get something from them. But Peter said, silver and gold money I do not have, but what I do have, that I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, hey. walk. Doesn't this sound the same with Paul and Silas going to the place of prayer, and they met that woman. In the name of Jesus Christ, that's what Paul did. But Peter even says, of Nazareth. I also like sometimes doing like that. I like sometimes saying, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Amen. Again, look at how Peter prayed. He did not say, Father, Heal him. He took the authority of the name of Jesus. And then he evoked the name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Okay, that's also prayer. You get that? So in other words, I can pray asking the Father to do something for me, but I can also exercise the authority that God has given me, but I've got to use the name of Jesus. So what happened when they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk? Taking him by the right hand, yeah. he helped him up, Yes. and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Amen. 
You see another miracle. Why? They were going to a place of prayer at the hour of prayer. So, can we be expectant when we go to the place of prayer? May you be expectant when you go to pray, even in your own home. At the hour of prayer, when you are going to pray, expect a miracle. Tell your neighbor, when you go to pray, expect a miracle. When you go to pray at the hour of prayer, expect a miracle. Okay, so let me give you the other one. You remember I told you about, you can pray anywhere, anytime, even in the kitchen and all that, but that's not an hour of prayer. That's not a place of prayer, but you are praying. That's fine. I want to give you another one. <laughs> okay, this one I think is a common one. Do you know when we pray for food? Is that an hour of prayer? Is that a place of prayer? Sometimes you even forget whether you, did you pray? Did I pray? And also when we pray, it's a routine, isn't it? Yeah. So, that's not good enough. You pray, it's good, you pray, but it's not good enough. That is not the hour of prayer. That's not the place of prayer. But I'm praying. So, may we move from the routine kinds of prayers to a deliberate place of prayer. Amen. Amen. To say, just like, you remember we read where the Bible says, Moses, he would take his tent from the camp and go and pitch it to a place and pray there and the presence of God would come to that place. And the Bible says anyone who sought the presence of God would have to go out into the camp, out of the camp, into that place of prayer. Now we heard Peter and Paul and Silas going to the place of prayer. Peter and John at the hour of prayer. So if we want to experience God in his fullness, let's have that, what we call place of prayer, and let's have what we call time of prayer. On top of other prayers that we make, on top of other places where we pray. You get that? So I'm not saying you can't pray anywhere, anytime. I'm not saying you can't pray anywhere, anytime. But you also need, in addition to that, if you want to experience the fullness of God, you need to also have what we call the place of prayer, hour of prayer. Why? You know that if you are praying and your heart is not in it, let's say I'm praying on a bed or I was sleeping. Then I fall asleep, isn't it? Because I'm not, that's not my hour of prayer, that's not my, my place of prayer. I'm just praying. You get that? But if I say, I want to go and pray at a point or a place of prayer, I even make sure that I don't respond to phones. Okay? You know that sometimes some of you, when you are praying, a phone rings, you pick up, and most of those phones that you pick up when you are praying is wrong number. <laughs> just to show that the devil just wanted to disturb you. Say, hello, hello. Who's that? <laughs> and you were in prayer. So if they need you, they will get you after prayer. You need to tell them. I couldn't answer. They say, oh, but we're phoning you the whole hour or the whole day and we couldn't get you. I was at a place of prayer. At a time of prayer. 
That time I was giving it for God. Amen. I need to have time with God. God wants to fellowship with me. When he says seek me. Seek my face. I will seek him. And I want to have time with him. Now. When they did that. You remember Paul and Silas when they. No. Paul and Silas. Yeah. When they healed that woman. What happened to them? They were arrested. Again here. <laughs> the same thing. With Peter and John. Just for healing that person. Now they take them to the, the, the magistrates of the day. They were saying, why did you do this? In whose name have you done this? And asked them a lot of questions and threatened them. That if you ever use this name again, you will be in trouble. And they threatened them. And after that, go to Acts chapter 4, verse 23 to 35, NLT, Mr. MJ. I want, you to show, I want to show you it's exactly the same thing. It starts with going to a place of prayer. At a time of prayer, experience a miracle, but you will always be opposed. There will always be confrontations. When you do the work of the Lord, there will be, not everybody will be happy with you. They will not even celebrate your miracle with you. Some of the people are waiting to see when you fail. They are waiting so that they can tell you, we told you that Christianity doesn't work. We told you that prayer doesn't work. So, but listen to this. Acts chapter 4. 23 to 35 NLT. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priest and the elders had said. So they were released and then they went to the other believers. I like it that when you have a problem, may you go to other believers. Because if when you have a challenge or when you have a problem, you go to people of the world, they will give you worldly advices and worldly solutions. But when you go to other believers, that's the right place to go. Continue. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Hey, I'm liking this. The early church, no wonder the early church walked with signs and wonders and miracles. They were people of prayer. Amen. So if we want to experience God and we say this is the year of his presence, we can't do that separate from prayer. That's why this year we are going to pray. We are going to pray. Last week, some of you know, we had time in prayer during the service time. So today, we even have going to have time after church to pray. For those of you who have time, like some of us, I have time. You remember there's this song. Can somebody who, who can lead that song just do it two, two, for, for a minute? Because I need to have the time of prayer. Amen. You need to have that time of prayer. 
Because some of you don't have time to pray, but you have got a time of gossip. You could have swapped the two times. Amen. So that's why I'm saying, even when we are saying we are going to pray after church, of course we're feeling for some that may be rushing for something. If you're rushing for something very important that you can't really wait, that's fine. God knows. But if you can, Amen. I've got it. So you've got to tell yourself, I have time of prayer. At the time of prayer, at the hour of prayer, at the place of prayer, I will be there. All the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth. This is how other people are praying. You also need to learn how to pray. They start by saying, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. They are just talking about God, worshipping him, isn't it? Before they even said what the problem was. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in the very city. You see, they haven't started telling God what is their problem. They are just telling God how great he is. They are reminding him of his promises. So that's how you pray. When you go to prayer at the hour of prayer, declare the greatness of God. Talk about how great the Lord is. So that when you now mention your problem, it looks insignificant. Because I was just exalting God and saying how great he is. Okay? Now, they praised him, praised him talked about his greatness. Now verse 29. And now and now O Lord hear their threats. Now they are, talk, they are directing talking the thing that they had. And give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Hey. They say hear their threats and give us great boldness in preaching your word. That's one of the things when we are going to pray this afternoon. I want you to pray. That Lord give us boldness to preach your word. You know that sometimes you want to talk to people about Jesus. But we feel intimidated isn't it? Huh? You want to tell them about Jesus. But you, we don't have the boldness. So they say Lord grant us great boldness in preaching your word. Tell your neighbor we need boldness to preach the gospel. Because people will oppose you. Some will even mock you. So I'm praying, Lord, give us boldness to preach your word. So even when we are going to have time to pray, pray for boldness to preach the word. Verse 30. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Did you see what they prayed? So they prayed that with boldness they preached the word and now they pray for miracles, for healing power. 
They say, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of Jesus. Amen. And that's what they were praying for. And when they would meet situations, they use that name of Jesus and see God coming into the scene. So as we are going to pray, you will have time to pray. Pray for your relatives. Pray for boldness. Pray that signs and wonders be performed among us. Lord, use us for your glory. All the things that you're praying for. We'll have that part as the first part. But the second part, I'm also going to pray for those of you who need prayer. Whether it's prayer for healing, prayer for a situation in your work, in your family, wherever. And we want God to do exactly what he did when other people prayed. When they prayed, the Lord came to that place and the foundations of the prison doors were shaken. The, the, the prisons were shaken. So may your prisons be shaken this day as we are going to pray. Amen. So as we are going to pray. Amen. And may the gates open up as you are going to pray. May the chains get loose as we are going to pray. Amen. Now listen. Verse 31. After this prayer, what happened? Mr. MJ, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. Ah. This sounds the same with the other one in prison. After this prayer, the meeting place Shook. So may things be shaken as we pray. Tell your neighbor we are going to pray. And things will be shaken. Amen. The walls of Jericho will come down. Amen. As we pray, the walls of Jericho will come down because things will be shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They preached the word of God with boldness. All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. This is the other part. When you are so much in the presence of God, nothing else matters anymore. Even what you have, you know, this is God. This is what God has done for me. Even when it comes to giving, you don't struggle to give when you are walking with God. When you are in his presence, you know that I am what I am today. I've got the job that I have today because of him. So whatever I have is his. So it becomes easy even to give. Verse 33. The apostles satisfied, testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. Amen. I want us to experience the presence of God like the early church. But we can only experience that if we pray like them. Amen. The place of prayer. The hour of prayer. Even Jesus, even though Jesus was the son of God, he prayed. So you can't be so matured in Christ that now things happen for you without praying. If it can work for you, it should have worked for Christ. Go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 28 to 34. We're beginning our descent. We're not landing yet, but we've begun our descent. Luke 9, 28 to 34, Good News Translation, Mr. MJ. Okay. I want to show you that even with Jesus, he was a prayerful person. And God, even when Jesus was praying, God also came into the scene. 
So it means just like he did with Paul and Silas, with Peter and John, he also did that with Jesus. But I want to show you that again, even with Jesus, he was not praying in his bed. Here. Okay? There's nothing wrong with praying in your bed. I also do that. But that's not a place of prayer. That's a place of sleep. Okay? So I can do that. But I need to also have that place of prayer. Amen? The place of prayer. At the hour of prayer. Okay, listen to this. Mr. MJ, Luke 9, 28 to 34, GNT. About a week after he had said these things, Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him and went uphill to pray. Oh, what did Jesus do now? It sounds the same with Paul and Silas, Peter and John. So he took them and went up a hill to what? To pray. You see, the place of prayer is the place to his presence. So he took them and they went up a hill to pray. Moses, we had, he would take his tent, go to pray. Peter and John, go to pray. Paul and Silas, go to pray. Jesus took his disciples, went up a hill to pray. So that's what we need to do if we want to experience God. That's why this year we are going to pray a lot. Especially in this place, the place of prayer. May this tent be the tent of his presence. May it be the tent of meeting of God with his people. Because the more we pray here, like what happened with Moses as he was praying, the cloud, the glory of God would come in that place. Amen. So, they went up a hill to pray. While he was praying, his face changed its appearance. And his clothes became dazzling white. What's that? That's glory. As he was praying, the glory of God started rubbing off on him. Suddenly two men were there talking with him. They were Moses and Elijah who appeared in heavenly glory and talked with Jesus about the way in which he would soon fulfill God's purpose. Verse 33. As they were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, how good is it that we are here? We will make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And he did not know what he was talking about. While he was still speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. You see that? That's the glory of God. That's the Shekinah glory of God. The manifested presence of God. The place of prayer is the place of his presence. So if we want to experience his presence, we can't do this without prayer. So as they were praying, the cloud, the presence of God. So we're going to pray this afternoon. And we want to experience that. We want to experience the glory of God. Now, can I land with, I still have a few more things to do, but let me land with 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 7 to 18, I'll read in the TLB or the Living Bible. 
but we'll do 18 only in the ERV, easy to read version. Because I want you to understand this, that when we are in his presence, his nature rubs off on us. And things are done as if it's God himself doing them. Because now we are his hands. We are the ones whom he uses to touch the world. So let's start it with TLB. Okay, I will read for the sake of time. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 to 18, TLB. Yet, okay, so he was comparing Moses. You know Moses experienced the presence of God. You remember we talked about Moses pitching the tent? You remember we talked about Moses, the glory of God coming on Moses, and when he would talk to people, he would be shining with the glory of God. You remember when Moses says, if your presence doesn't go with us, take us not from here. Now, <clears throat> here Paul is comparing that with the glory of us in the New Testament. Which one do you think will be a better glory? The glory of old or the glory of the New Testament? The glory of the New Testament, of course. And this is what Paul says. He says, yet that old system of law that led to death began with such glory that people could not bear to look at Moses' face. For as he gave them God's law to obey, his face shone out with the very glory of God, though the brightness was already fading away. You hear that? So he says, when Moses was giving them the commandments, his, the glory of God was shining on his face, but it was fading away. I told you the last time, what makes the glory fade? When you get detached. Remember the magnet. If you rub a piece of steel against the magnet, it becomes magnetic. But the longer time this piece of steel takes away from the magnet, it loses its magnetism. So even Moses, when he was in the presence of God, he would be the glory of God, glory of God. Now when he came to people, the glory started fading off. Now listen, verse 8. Shall we not expect the great, far greater glory in these days when the Holy Spirit is giving life? Did you hear that question? I want you to expect greater glory. Mr. MJ, did you just see that? Read that verse 8 for us. Shall we not expect far greater glory in these days when the Holy Spirit is giving life? Okay, so when I'm going to pray, I'm going to expect far greater glory than the glory that Moses experienced. Because I'm in the new covenant, isn't it? I'm going to experience, to expect far more miracles than what happened during the time of Moses. Because Jesus said, the works that I do, those who believe in me will do even greater works than this. I will expect that. Verse 10. In fact... That first glory as it shone from Moses' face is worth nothing at all in comparison with the overwhelming glory of the new agreement. Verse 10. So that was verse 8. Verse 10. In fact, no, that's, yeah, this, it's verse 10. So if the old system that faded into nothing was full of heavy glory, the glory of God's new plan for our salvation is certainly far greater. For it is eternal. And it is not as Moses did, who put a veil over his face. Verse 12. Since we know that this new glory will never go away, we can preach with boldness. 
Did you get that? So the glory that Moses experienced would fade. But for us, the presence of God in our lives, with the spirit of God in our lives, we can make sure that we keep on rekindling that glory. Amen. So that the glory of God is always manifested in us. Now verse 17. We'll read verse 17 and 18 and then we'll do it in the ARV and we'll land. Verse 17 says, The Lord is the spirit who gives them life. And where he is, there is freedom from trying to be saved by keeping the law of God. Verse 18. But we Christians have no veil of our faces. You know Moses had a veil. It says, but we Christians have no veil of our faces. We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. As the spirit of the Lord works in us, we become more and more like him. Can I show you again the issue of the magnet in verse 18? It says, as we spend time in his presence, we can be like mirrors. Okay, so if, if you are a mirror, if I put a mirror here, and God is in front of the mirror. What will you see? When you look at the mirror. You will see God, isn't it? So in other words, he says, we can be that brilliant, that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. So it means the Lord is here. When I'm spending time with him, I become like a mirror that reflects the glory of God. Amen. When people look at me, they can see the glory of God. Because I'm spending time with God. And it says, as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. Did you get that? The example of a magnet again, to make it simple for you. So the more you rub against that magnet, you become more and more like a magnet. You inherit the magnetic power. So that you can now go and be a magnet to other people. So the more time I spend in the presence of God, I become God-like. Even more and more like him. Even more and more like him that I can walk in his fullness. So we are going to pray. And as we are going to I'm looking forward to prayer time. Amen. Because I want to soak in him. I want to be so much soaked in him. That even when sickness wants to touch my body, it should feel threatened. How do I touch that body? Where the presence of God is always overflowing. How do I touch? When, when the enemy wants to kill you, whether it's through accident or whatever, may he think twice before he does that. Because of the presence of God in your life. May he see that the angel of the Lord encamps around you. You remember the verse we read last week which says, the Lord among them he will be their shield. He will be like a fire, a wall of fire around them. Amen. That's why for me, this thing of his presence, if I can be in his presence, I've got all other things sorted. The problem with most of us is that we are chasing all these different things. But if I can just be with God in his presence, my needs are met. I'm protected. I'm covered. I've got his peace. Amen. Because I'm in his presence. And I also become more and more like him. Like that verse 18. But look, look at it in the ERV. <coughs> no, we do it in the ERV. 
Verse 18 means the MJ of 2 Corinthians. This is the one we are landing with. And our faces are not covered. Oh, no, on the ERV. Is that ERV? Maybe then I've got it in, oh, it's the voice that I have. You want to do it in the voice? Okay, let me do it. Now, all of us, with our faces unveiled, reflect the glory of the Lord as if we are mirrors. I want you to look at this and listen to it carefully. Because this one we are going to pray. This is what you need to expect the glory. You need to expect the glory. As I spend more time with him, I become more and more like him. So it says, we with unveiled faces, reflect the glory of the Lord as if we are mirrors. We are being transformed, metamorphosed into his same image from one radiance of glory to another, just as the spirit of the Lord accomplishes it. Children, Sunday school children, do you know about metamorphosis? You've heard of metamorphosis? Metamorphosis. We used to do it when we were young. We would sing, ex, lover, pupa, adult. So in other words, it starts as an egg. It transforms. It's metamorphosed into pupa, which is completely different from an egg. And then a pupa is completely different from the lover. The lover is completely different from an adult butterfly. So tell your neighbor, I'm being metamorphosed. I'm about to fly. That cocooned life is getting transformed. You know in that egg, the egg is contained and it can't go anywhere. It's like that cocooned life. So now when I'm metamorphosed, I move from that egg through stages, until I become a butterfly. And I'm ready to fly. So as I spend more time in his presence, I get metamorphosed. I get transformed to look exactly like what is in front of me. Because when you put a mirror here, in front of anything, you see in the mirror what that is, thing is. So if now I am like a mirror, and God, who is the healer, is in front of me, with all his divine health, what will become of me? Become healthy. Because I'm transformed into that same image. So, when we are going to pray, even when you pray in your own homes or wherever you are, think of this metamorphosis. Think of being transformed. You might have heard, when I pray, I also speak, Lord, Every encounter with you is an opportunity for transformation as you transform our lives so that we become more and more like him so that your walk with God will no longer be boring. You know why you were bored being a Christian? It's because you were not metamorphosed. You were not transformed. Can we stand up and thank God for the word that we've heard? So I will end this one here. And we are going to still have time of prayer after church.
Because people who ever did anything for God, people who experienced the presence of God, they would go to a place called a place of prayer. They would have what we call the hour of prayer or the time of prayer. And we also will have a place of prayer. A place of prayer in church, but also a place of prayer in your own homes. Have that place. A place of prayer. A place of prayer. So we're going to do it today in church, but also in your own homes, have a place of prayer. So let's thank God for the word that we've had. Then I'm going to just conclude what I need to do. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We 